You are listening to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, episode number four, My Story Part Two. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn how to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out and find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three, a songwriter, life coach, and wellness advocate, Liz Langston. What is up, everybody? I am so excited to come at you with my story part two. This is really where it gets fun and exciting, and it's probably a lot shorter than the first part of my story. So the beginning of 2016, January through March, was crazy. As you heard in the last episode with my story part one, just all the different health problems and the kind of it peaked at my cyst bursting. It's crazy to me looking back how... I was so clueless. I was struggling so much mentally, and yet I didn't have the wisdom or the experience to step outside of what was going on for me and think a thought like, maybe I'm depressed. Maybe this isn't normal. So it's just a little bit scary to me that it was so foreign and like untouchable to me. I just really couldn't put a name on it. I couldn't even really identify what was happening, what I was going through. And so one thing I just want to offer here on this podcast, and that's a big reason why I'm sharing my story, is that you can maybe just have a point of comparison as you listen to my story and not to compare you know, how you handled it versus how I handled it, but just what's maybe normal and what is something that would lead you to go get help that isn't necessarily normal. There's pain involved with having a baby, both physically and emotionally and mentally, but where do you draw the line between okay, this is difficult, sort of baby blues level struggling into postpartum depression and everything. And so definitely go back, listen to my previous episodes where I talked about the technical, you know, diagnosis criteria that um, a doctor would look at to determine baby blues versus postpartum depression versus postpartum psychosis. Those are all important to know and be familiar with. But along with that, just listening to my story, I hope is helpful in that way too. kind of a assessing where you're at, what your needs might be. Because believe me, mama, we all have needs, right? So the worst part is definitely over in my story, but that doesn't mean I was free of struggles. And also there's some amazing, really amazing, rich, deep, wonderful, happy parts coming up. So here we go. After that cyst burst, I kind of dabbled for the first time in natural remedies and natural wellness. I got into yoga. The lady that taught yoga on my block was an essential oil user and gave me some little oils that I could start using. And and the smells were so calming to me. And at that time, I didn't have the time or even mental capacity to really research why. I just knew that they were helping. And that comes into play later on in my story with doTERRA essential oils. But for the time being, I was just happy that my husband was graduating. It's April 2016. We just made it through the three hardest years of our marriage and probably of my life. And um, he graduated what was a five-year mechanical engineering degree from Arizona State University, ASU. Finally landed a great job with reasonable and regular hours just after graduating. We were so blessed in that way and so grateful. And as life started to get a little bit more normal and he'd come home at normal times of day, like, you know, 5 PM instead of 11 or one in the morning. And I was also more mentally stable. I started to reflect a lot on my, on what had just happened. I mean, it was a whirlwind. And now I was finally with my feet on the ground. I felt like we had some stability and some regularity happening. And 
I just started to be introspective about everything I just accomplished. I was, I was proud of myself. I was also kind of devastated at, whoa, I felt like things had been taken away from me, like months of my life. And with all of this, I remember hearing about the story of Emily Dykes, D-Y-C-H-E-S. I'm going to put this, a link to the story in the show notes here, but Emily Dykes is a was she's passed away. She was, um, she is a mother of five children in Utah, um, Salem, Utah, I believe. And she was, you know, had her fifth baby and had some postpartum symptoms happening, uh, mental health symptoms, anxiety and depression and everything. So she went and saw her doctor and I don't know the full story. I definitely, if you want to know the facts, go, go look at the, the link that I'll post in the show notes, but Essentially, um, her and her husband really were pretty clueless. I mean, clueless in the sense that they'd never experienced what she was going through at that time with her postpartum mental needs and emotional needs. And so they were just doing the best that they could. Um, they saw their doctor. She even at one point was admitted to um, a mental care facility just to kind of help her stabilize until she was safe and you know, reliable to be able to be around her kids. And then she was allowed to be with her kids. And I believe she was on medication at the same time. But one time she was visiting or, with, or she was with her dad. She called her dad to come pick her up and they were on the freeway. He was taking her, I don't remember where, but she just felt like she needed to be with him and because she was having anxiety that morning. And as a passenger in the car, she had a panic attack and had him stop the car and got out of the car in the middle of her attack. And um, it was it was to the point where she was having sensations and almost like, I wouldn't call them hallucinations, but whatever she was having, it, it led her to seek safety and refuge. And the way that she did that ended up putting her in a stream of traffic on the highway and she was hit by a car and her life was ended. I remember hearing about that story and like being stunned because I had had not maybe to the extent she had to where she was, she was having, you know, a sensation of being underwater or like fire was going to get her, you know, there were, there were things in her experience that were different than mine, but at the same time, her whole struggle of trying to find the help she needed while she was struggling and finding the balance between being struggling and being able to take care of her kids versus struggling and needing to give the care of her kids to someone else. That's a very fine line. And a lot of times, especially if we haven't put a name on what we're going through, we can kind of be in denial at how severe it really is. Um, and it's devastating, right? It's dev- It can be devastating. It doesn't have to be, but it can be devastating as a mom to say, okay, I surrender to whatever this is that's taking over my brain and I need somebody to help me with my kids. It's, it can be embarrassing, right? There's all these like big bridges and hurdles we have to cross in order to get the help we need when we're in this situation with postpartum depression and postpartum effects. Anyway, and so I explored a website that her husband and family created after she passed away to help be a resource and create um, awareness and guidance for moms going through postpartum different difficulties mentally and emotionally. It's called the Emily effect. And it's a website. I will for sure link to it in the show notes here. I would love for all of you to go check it out. If you're curious about getting some guidance and help and just Emily's story. And yeah, if, you know, if you're pregnant and you haven't dealt with this stuff and it feels heavy to you, you know, don't go check it out. You don't need to, but if this is something that you're naturally curious about, because maybe you're going through it or you went through it before and you're trying to better understand what you just went through and grasp it, I would definitely recommend kind of going and checking that out. 
So that was my first taste of what would become my mission and my purpose. I knew from that point on that when I had more leverage and more time had passed and I had more leverage over the postpartum gig, the whole bit of it, especially the mental health area of it, I wanted to help other moms. I knew I would. Like at that moment, right after those really difficult three months, when I was finally kind of smooth sailing for a minute, I committed to to God. I I remember in prayers and in just just those quiet moments when I would think with myself, I committed to Heavenly Father that if He would help me better understand all of this and heal and really get leverage over it, I would help. I would turn around and I would bring other mothers out of this and give them the tools that I needed at that time and that I've now received and gotten and gotten good at and that they need to get out of this and to help themselves through the postpartum difficulties that they're experiencing. So I'll tell you more about what that looked like towards the end of this part two of my story. Um, So again, smooth sailing. It was so nice. We were able to buy our first home. I was so happy at the time. I just, I look back on that time of my life and I, I guess a lot of my good days and bad days were very sporadic and hard to identify kind of what created a good day for me and bad day for me. I later learned it was just my thinking was very untrained, unmanaged. I wasn't watching my mind and I was kind of at the mercy of however my mind was, you know, behaving that day. And so it was buying a home was one of those things where I was really, I was starting to see friends, you know, we were in our late twenties and I started to see friends having houses of their own. And I started to get home buying fever. And so it was for sure something that I perceived at the time as like a big source of happiness. And so therefore it was, and we moved into our first home, we bought it and it was so exciting. We, um, 20, so that takes, so the rest of 2016, was just um healing, buying a home, kind of settling down. 2017 was the year of two toddlers, right? My newborn who was born in December 2015 was now a year old and December 2017 I had a 2-year-old going on 3 years old. He t- and then I had a and then I had a um a 1-year-old. And so it was just a lot of babies and my husband was working full-time. And, you know, I was really enjoying being a mom, but I didn't know how to deal with the really hard parts of being a mom. I think part of that was no one really talks about the really sucky parts of being a mom. I I shouldn't say no one, but at least my circle of friends and family, it wasn't something that, you know, we're positive people. And I don't know. I just, I'd never really been talked to. My mom had six children and I know, and I have since, you know, opened up that can of worms. And I've talked to her about how she dealt with the struggling times and did she experience postpartum depression and how, what sort of coping skills she adopted to be able to stay afloat during, cause she had six kids. And part of that was four boys each two years apart. I mean, it was intense. So, but at this time, I really didn't know anything about other moms struggles when it was hard for them. And so I really, I call it buffering. I just, I coped by, you know, going, doing target runs and buying like over a hundred dollars worth of stuff I didn't need when I went in for diapers, right? Just like 
kind of buffering away from the pain and the difficulty that I was experiencing in my motherhood by shopping. Maybe you can relate to this. I'm pretty sure most of you can, right? Going to Target, buying way more than you needed, or just kind of walking the aisles and spending forever, just kind of avoiding going home and putting your kids to bed because it's just overwhelming and it's a lot. And you don't really have the tools to kind of work through that. Um, I remember going to Costco and totally like Costco was the place where I could write it off in the budget as groceries. And yet I would be buying like a few toys for my kids or maybe I would buy a new shirt for me or my husband. And obviously it wasn't like crazy extravagant, but at the same time, it wasn't also, it also wasn't aligned with how I wanted to be around money and around spending. And so it was just a big, in hindsight and not that far into the future in this story, I'm telling you, it was kind of a big indicator to me that something wasn't right. I wasn't handling motherhood the way I really knew I could watching at least an hour or two of shows at night, not every night, you know, but eating ice cream and cookies, baking cookies all the time. These are the ways that I, if somebody had said, I'm going to take all these away from you, no more target, no more Costco, no more Netflix, no more cookies and ice cream. I think I would have like melted down. I don't know. I would, I probably would have just found other, but right. I'm going to ask you that if you couldn't do all the things that you do to get through the hard times of motherhood. And if somebody just said, no, you just need to feel this emotion. Can you process the negativity that is surrounding what you're going through as a mom right now? Can you make it through it without eating it away or without shopping it away? What would you say? Right. Ask yourself. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And that right there is, is a coaching type question, (laughs) which I'll talk to you more about later, but I just want to kind of pose that for you might be kind of an ugly realization, but it's okay. It's the first step to something new, to making it look different for you and to getting the tools you need. If you want those tools, just keep listening to all these episodes. Thank you very much. Okay. So none of these are wrong, by the way, watching Netflix, baking cookies, going to Target and Costco and even buying things that are not necessarily in the budget. I'm not saying you're a bad person, right? But what I'm saying is that there are legitimate mental tools that will keep us aligned with who we want to be that don't uh, leave us feeling the need to go do all those things, right? So for sure, watch some Netflix in your life. I'm not saying don't, but I don't want it to be something that if you didn't have it, you wouldn't know how to cope with what's real for you in your life. And like you, you lean on it like a crutch, right? Like I did with Downton Abbey when I was super depressed, which I still have a great love and appreciation for Downton Abbey and all the people that act in it and that wrote the episodes. I just feel like they were just a godsend in my life at that time. So I don't, I don't think it's bad to watch Downton Abbey either. I'm just saying, right. We want to be aware of, um, what we're using to get out of having 
to feel what's real for us in our lives. And can we deal with a negative emotion in a healthy way? And um, ways, you know, buffering is some is when the things that you're doing to get out of those emotions that you could be feeling if you were really present in your life, um, the things that you're doing to buffer are having negative consequences. And maybe you're gaining weight or you are neglecting your kids or you're neglecting your house or you're neglecting whatever, right? So that's when you know you're leaning on it too much and you're actually buffering and you need to get some more tools to deal with the negative emotion in a more healthy way. All right. Uh, so 2017, the year of two toddlers and buffering in motherhood. I even picked up um, a lip sense business. I don't know, Senegents. Uh, I did a multi-level marketing company. And honestly, I think I did it out of A, I thought the product was pretty cool when I first signed up. And um, and then B, also, I was just so lonely you guys, I was so lonely as a mom of two little kids in a new neighborhood. I didn't really know a lot of people. The neighborhood that we moved into was a pretty tightly knit neighborhood. That didn't mean that we're, there wasn't space for us, but it was just one where you kind of had to work yourself in a little bit. People that lived there had been living there for a long time. There were no renters allowed. So it was all homeowners. And it was it, like, we were definitely on the younger end of the people that lived there. So I joined LipSense or Senegence, whatever, to get some community happening. And that was helpful for that. But it kind of fizzled out for me. I just, I wasn't, it didn't really, I guess selling the makeup products didn't really fall in line with my why and my desires of my passion of, of kind of finding a way to help moms with all of the postpartum stuff. So what did fulfill that passion is my music. And I know I talked a little bit in the first part of my story of my songwriting. I took it to a whole new level. I got some amazing songs out of myself as I made space and time for my creativity. And it started really warming up and um, really was pleased with the songs that I was capable of creating. And so I went ahead and hired a producer. I crowdfunded uh, I, I did, I crowdfunded $7,000 from family and friends that were supportive of my songs that had heard the demos, like, right. The rough drafts of the songs I wanted to take on this album and they donated and I was able to get all the money I needed to do a record. So I started recording the summer of 2017 all the way through the fall of 2017. And I didn't mention this earlier, but this whole time I was prego with baby number three. <laughs> I bet you're like, this lady is nuts. Like, I think I'm going to turn this podcast off. She obviously doesn't know how to space out having babies. But I got to tell you, I was in it, man. I like wanted another baby. And when that postpartum depression was bad, it was bad. And when it wasn't, it wasn't. And it wasn't an issue anymore. And I was like, I want to move forward with my life. And I did. And I also, though, I wasn't like not cautious, right? So when we got pregnant with that third baby, who was born in the fall of 2017, which I'll talk about in a minute. I approached it in a very thoughtful way. I was aware of the the higher risk that I had of possibly having postpartum depression and anxiety again. And I did everything I could to research and study and prepare for this labor and delivery delivery in a way that would set me up for, you know, to win as much as I could. And I did that with a lot of prayer and forethought and planning and gathering resources. So I actually opted for a natural birth the third time around. My first two were both in the hospital with epidurals and um, actually both of them I was induced for different reasons both times. But my third one, I toured, uh, I think, two different birth centers. There were only a few around me and chose Willow Birth Center in Mesa, Arizona. Highly recommend it. The um, The two certified nurse midwives that founded it and run it are amazing. And I 
I love them. I'd highly recommend them. And one of them is from Great Britain and has an awesome accent. And they're both family women and just really relatable and gentle with their practice. And they hire some awesome uh, midwives and there's some great doulas and they offer like yoga classes and amazing resources. So if you're in Arizona, definitely check out Willow Birth Center. But I can't just can't say enough good things about them. Anyway, can I say one more thing about them? So they also just really are are used to you know the full spectrum. People who are like begging for a home birth all the way to people who have never done a birth center before are only familiar with hospital and mainstream medicine and are a little bit skeptical. And they deal so well with everyone in between and both ends of the extreme. I was kind of towards the more um, modern medicine. My you know I have siblings who are doctors and well dentists, and I you know I come from a really educated background and. Uh, a family that's more skeptical towards uh, like a birth outside of the hospital. And so I definitely, you know, they they do um, just free nights where you can come and ask questions and get a tour. And I brought my mom and I was like, okay, hey, fire away, mom. You know, she was a little concerned and nervous about it. And I just had her ask questions with the certified nurse midwives present there to answer all of them. And they just did so in a phenomenal way that definitely put my mom at ease enough to, you know, not necessarily allow me. I was going to do it no matter what, but kind of be on board. And, and then me for sure, I was like sold. So woohoo for birth centers that are run well and have certified nurse midwives. And yeah, so I did that. I was trying to avoid postpartum depression. And so I thought if I don't do the whole medication route, I won't have all the back pain and the heavy meds from the epidural and from laying in a bed while laboring on my back. And so that will probably help. And then I wanted a place that I could just walk around and I don't, I didn't want people being like, how much pain are you in? Right. I think in the hospital pain is a huge thing that is really focused on and almost like, oh, you have pain here. Let's give you some medicine. We don't want that. And I just knew that I wanted to be open to the pain of natural childbirth and sort of reroute my way of thinking about pain when it is related, physical pain, when it's related to having a baby and not, I didn't want to see it as a bad thing. I wanted to learn how to look at it differently. So I read mindful birthing by Nancy Bardacki, certified nurse midwife. I will link that in the show notes. And I highly recommend that book if you're preparing for a natural labor. Anyway, so baby number three came in September on the 16th of September, 2017. And it was awesome. And the whole experience was amazing. There was a queen size bed in our room and I was able to have a healthy pregnancy. They were very, very, very keenly aware of how my pregnancy was going. They wouldn't have let me have my delivery in their birth center if they weren't hundred percent sure that they'd checked all the boxes. You know, obviously there's always something, you know, some amount of risk and some unknown factors, but they were so careful about having me take all the extra tests and precautions while I was pregnant so that I could have the best chances at having a healthy childbirth. I birthed my baby in the water. There was a bathtub and I, I've always just been drawn to water. And when I was for like the two weeks before having the baby, I was contracting on and off and hot showers were great. So I just knew that I wanted to do a birth in the water because natural tearing is a lot less likely to occur when you actually push the baby out 
in the water. So I did, and it was amazing. And my husband was there to catch, not catch the baby, but, you know, kind of guide the baby out and hold the baby first thing. And then they put him on my chest and we actually didn't find out gender. And so it was our first time not knowing the gender. And I kind of knew in my mother heart that it was my boy and it was Amos. And I knew, but you know, it's, you want to be careful about saying that until the baby actually gets there. But once he was there, I was like, it's my Amos, my Amos. So it was so sweet. Um, Unfortunately, I guess, but also fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I did develop postpartum depression again. And I, maybe you're surprised to hear that. I know I was for sure surprised, but at the same time, I knew that no matter what I did, I could still develop postpartum depression, um, just because of the way that my hormones and body do things after delivering a baby. And so I was somewhat ready for it, both you know, reasonably and realistically expecting it maybe will be there. And then also I'd done it once before and I just, uh, struggled, man. I struggled and I was devastated like again, (laughs) because I just knew what was in store for me a little bit. And I was like, really this again, really? I think I had some frustration towards God, heavenly father. I, I think I really was, wanting to just isolate socially because I was embarrassed and I was frustrated about all of it. And I just, that definitely didn't help me, but that's kind of what my go-to was, was kind of shrinking down my world, right? That's, that was something that was just helpful to me. It's not necessarily the most beautiful, friendly thing to do, but sometimes when you're depressed, you've got to just do what you got to do to get through it. So I was kind of hard to get a hold of, I'm sure. And I think I passed on a lot of phone calls that came my way. I think the only people I really let in on it was my mom, my mother-in-law, my husband. And I think like my, my relief society president at church, you know, who was over looking after all the women in the ward, but I am maybe like, and a good friend, Erica Hansen, woo that's about it. And I, I didn't really want to talk about it. I was kind of just over it, but yet it was there. So at the same time as realizing that this was round two of postpartum depression for me, despite all of my amazing heroic efforts to go about things differently and plan for baby number three in a new way. Um, I also was, um, doing all the administrative tasks that needed to be done to get my album to market, to take my five songs and get them all squared away with my producer and on iTunes and Spotify, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. And, um, no one could really do it besides me. I mean, I could have probably hired it out, probably should have, but I didn't because <laughs> of money. So I got it done though, but my album released February 9th, 2018. So here we are in the new 2018, just last year at the time of this recording. And so February, 2018, I released my album and right around that time, like right before I released it, we knew that this was heading into depression quickly. And I just wanted more help this time. Um, I had a lot of help my previous time, but I just kind of knew what I was in for and I wanted to have all the precautions in place. And so what we decided to do is sell our house in Arizona and move to Denver, Colorado, which is where my my in-laws live and some more family out there. And so I was able to take the kids and go to Denver while my husband finished getting the house ready to sell, putting it on the market, putting in his last two weeks and securing a job in Denver kind of all at once. It was insane. Um, but it, I'm so proud of us because we did what we needed to do to get me the help that I needed at that time. So we got to Denver and I was just overwhelmed with the grace and the love of my in-laws who took us in. (laughs) 
right? They, they already had one of their children living with them and her child. And now here we are, this family of five, three little kids and two adults. And so they totally cleared out their basement and made space for us to live there so that they could be very hands-on and help me with my kids throughout the days as I just was in fuzzy brain zone and tried to get better. I did some therapy before we left Arizona through the birth center. Uh, they had a, a postpartum social worker lady there that was really helpful for me. And then I got a little bit more therapy by going to a postpartum group at the Denver hospital. Anyway, got to Denver, really wasn't doing well, to be honest. I was struggling to take care of my kids and struggling to like myself and my life. And um, unfortunately, that's where I was at. And so my sweet in-laws offered to use their flight miles to get me to Arizona to be with my husband. Cause remember he was still there finishing up, getting the house ready to sell. And they didn't even book a return flight. They just said, go down there and tell us when you're have found yourself and have gotten better a little bit. And, you know, just go relax and try to find yourself again and, and see if you can get some help that you need and whatever. So they sent me down there so gracious of them. And I spent, I think it was a total of about 10 days and I probably could have used even more time, but I didn't want to leave them with the kids for too long. And I didn't want to be away from the kids for too long. Actually, I kind of did, but I knew I shouldn't. <laughs> so that's where I was at. But, um, while I was in Arizona, I remember my, my, my sister and mother-in-law had both been recommending this life coaches podcast to me and I kept saying like, oh yeah, they would tell me all the reasons they think I would love it. And I was like, yeah, I should listen to it. And then, you know, being depressed, I would just not follow through, <laughs> go sulk in a corner. No, I don't know. No. But so while I was in Arizona, sans kids, I decided I would actually take a listen while I folded some laundry and packed up some boxes. So I, I did, I turned it on and I remember so vividly you guys, and you will too, when you listen to more of my podcast and you have epiphanies of your own, but my mind. Okay. So I have to pause here and say, yes, I was depressed the second time around, but because it was my second rodeo, right. I had this deep determination, even though I was depressed, like this is something I didn't have the first time because I didn't know what the heck I was dealing with. And I didn't know when it would end and what it was. Right. But now I knew what it looked like in the course of events that was to be mine with the postpartum depression. And I, I didn't, I kind of did not want to be acted upon. I did not want to feel powerless. And so this time around, yes, it was real. I was depressed, but I also had this drive and this determination to, to crack the code of postpartum depression and to kind of figure out how to heal myself. I didn't want to just be in that dark place a long time. I wanted to find a way out. So even though I was depressed, I wanted to get out. And it wasn't in a way of where I was resisting it. And I was like, oh, I hate this. It was more like, how can I do this? This curiosity, right? So that being said, I started listening to this life coaches podcast. And when she said to me, well, she didn't say it to me, right? She said it on the podcast, but it was like, it was to me. Circumstances are neutral. Anything outside of ourselves that we cannot control is neutral. And we, no, no, no. And it was, so that was part one. And then it was also, we create our feelings with our thoughts. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings are products of our thoughts. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings create or like drive our actions and our actions give us our results. Like it all starts in your mind. I freaked out. I was like, wait, hold the phone. 
you mean you're telling me that it's possible that if I focus on what I'm thinking and how I'm thinking throughout every day, every minute of every day, every thought, if I dissect it all and get in my brain and watch my thoughts, that I could potentially feel better without a doctor's help? Where has this been all my life? (laughs) Right? And it's as if like, it was just such a good fit for the person that I wanted to be, but was having a hard time being. And not just in this time of depression, but my whole life I've struggled with like a hot temper and and hangriness and just like there's 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 the me that really wants to become and be awesome and be this amazing person and accomplish so much. And then there's the me that's there every day. And I never knew that there are literal mind tools based in positive psychology that this life coach, Brooke Castillo, has created this formula. Oh my gosh, that she teaches and she will teach you and train you on me, I mean, that um that would that could like bridge that gap between the me I was stuck with every day that was kind of less than what I wanted to be and what I felt like I could be. And then to those tools to get me there to where I wanted to like be high achieving and shining and letting my light out and creating things. And whether it's with my kids or in a business, it doesn't matter. Like just becoming, you know, getting out of my own way via watching my thoughts and learning how to manage my mind. Oh my gosh, this was everything. This changed everything. So I binged on her podcast. I attended a free webinar. I knew I wanted in. She had a um a monthly subscription where you could like get into her program and have access to all these amazing tools and training videos to learn more and be invited to the regular group coaching calls. And I was like, this is what I want. So my parents had kept asking me, you know, they were worried about me being depressed and everything. And again. And they were like, how can we help you? What can we do to help you? And I said to them, you know what? You can get me a membership to this life coaches site. I think this is going to be it guys. I think that this, these mental tools are what's really going to pull me out of this. I mean, it's scary to, it was scary to say that and have that hope because the time before when I was depressed, my first time, I didn't have any such hope or tools, but I had this quiet determination and this curiosity and this really just desire to, to find a way to do this in a, not just get out of it, like a quick fix. I wanted to crack the code. I wanted to understand my mind in a way that would help me to crawl out of my own depression. Um, and possibly get off the medication that I was still on from the first time, the antidepressants. So I got into her program and like I said, everything changed and I got into it just in time so that before I went back to Denver, I was able to prep myself and run some models, do some thought downloads. These are new terms if you're not familiar with coaching, but they will become familiar if you continue listening to this podcast and one model at a time. Oh my gosh, you guys! it was like revelation. Like it was like, you don't even understand. This was like the nastiest final exam and like somebody just giving you the test answers, but except when they give them to you, it's as if they had been there the whole time in your mind. Like you weren't stealing them. It wasn't cheating. It was like, no, you can really do this. I don't know. It was, it was crazy. It was like, I didn't care how hard I had to work to do this and mentally, you know, manage my thoughts and my emotions. Therefore, because the good news was I could do it on my own. And it, there was an answer for me, for me. Right. And I want to, I want to add that disclaimer. There might be some of you who 
have maybe even found coaching and still struggle with depression and still need further help. But in the majority of cases, I can say with full confidence that coaching will, even if it doesn't solve every problem, right? Even if you still need to be on your medication or you still need to go to therapy or whatever, oh my gosh, this will make a difference and it will be helpful. And especially if you've never had babies yet, or you haven't had postpartum depression yet, or maybe you never will even better, baby, like put this into your life. You will feel like you cracked the code of you'll feel like you'll stop. You're going to stop working against yourself. Anyway, so much more about that, that we have the whole podcast for that. So I'm not going to go into it right now, but uh, to just finish up this part two of my story, it really wasn't even like a slow process. It was a process, but once I got these tools, I mean, within just a matter of a couple, two to three weeks, I was laughing again. I was exercising a little bit more regularly and I was on to next, like I was out of kind of this whole, uh, I'm swimming in this depression. I can't take care of my kids. I need help to all of a sudden. I'm like, I want to lose weight. I'm going to make that happen. Right. Like I was on to the next. I'm like, okay, now it's time for weight loss, which weight loss was something. Yeah. I was aware that I had gained a ton of weight with baby number three, 50 pounds to be exact. Thank you very much. Can I get an amen for those of you who have gained ridiculous amounts of weight in pregnancies. This was my first time I had gained a ton of weight. My first two babies, I had gained like beautiful, just 25 pounds when the baby was in and it all went away when the baby was out and still stayed fabulous. And then my third baby, like what? I don't even know what happened. I think I do know. I think it's the third baby, all sorts of stuff happens with that weight loss and your body's just different. And I was a little older and also I wasn't managing my mind. And so I was eating away my being a mom that's pregnant with two little kids, it was really hard. So I gained like 50 pounds and I was able to lose all of that weight and get back down to the weight that I was before I ever had kids by going through the weight loss videos in my life coaches program that I was subscribed to, which I have now been trained to teach. And I coach people in weight loss as well. And I can do it safely for you if you're nursing babies or if you're still postpartum and everything. It's amazing. I I, I can't even tell you. I felt like I had found the biggest kept secret in the weight loss world. Like I was really scared of trying to lose weight because I had never done it before, never needed to do it. And a lot of my people in my life had tried and failed <laughs> or just like it was really, it just looked really hard and strict and scary. And it was difficult. Don't get me wrong, but it was difficult only in the sense that I had to learn. I had to get ahead of my mind. It wasn't difficult otherwise really. And it was, dif- but even so, like even the cravings and urges and stuff, those were all in my mind. And like, once I could manage my mind, all of it was simpler and I was able to move the scale and like get down. I dropped from a size at one point at my highest point after baby three, I was at a size 12 when I'm normally a size four to six, I was at a size 12. And I honestly, I think it was more realistically a 10. There was just this one line of jeans that I ended up needing a 12 in that line, but I feel like I was more like a 10, but either way, 12 down to a four, which is where I currently sit and where I usually hang out. So it's crazy. Right. Um, and then I applied to become a certified coach through the life coach school, which is, so the life coach that I hired that I lost all the weight with and became a member of her program. She was Jody Moore. So amazing. Highly recommend her. She focuses more on motherhood as a whole, not as much the postpartum focus that I have, but she's LDS as well, or believer, Christian, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so I went and applied to the life coach school, which is where my life coach had gotten certified. And I knew it was the only place I wanted to go. Like this education was 
what I wanted. It was a must have. And I just knew I was like, this is my calling. I'm a coach. Like this is what it is. So I became a certified coach and I definitely was the, I, I think it's safe to say I was the youngest coach there in my not even quite late twenties at the time. And I had three kids four and under (laughs) and like a new baby that I don't think he was even a year old yet. No, he turned a year old when I got back from coach certification. So yeah, I, that was, so I, I got accepted to the life coach school in like March of 2018 and then became a certified coach December 7th of 2018. And so it's amazing. And I, totally. If you feel like you're a coach, I recommend it. The life coach school is the only place I would recommend becoming a life coach at. It's a whole different world. It's like, yeah, you'll just have to start listening to Brooke Castillo. I'll put a link in the show notes to the life coach school and to some Brooke Castillo content and you can check it out. But, um, I just, that's my story. I also, I guess the last piece, and I shouldn't say, I guess, because it's pretty much freaking amazing, but I will be talking about it more in depth in later episodes. So I'll just gloss over it here is that at the time I got home, I got home from coach training. My little boy turned one year old and a couple girls in the ward. So a ward is what I call my church group, right? This is where I attend church and we like our little congregation, we call it a ward and a couple girls in my ward. It's so funny that they were the ones that approached me about um, working with them because I had already kind of like seen them at church and been like, they look like cool ladies. Cause I had just moved, right? Like, yes, we moved to Denver in February after I released my album, but that whole summer and the rest of like February, March, April, May, we were house hunting and it was a crazy time in the market here. And so it took us like months to find a house. We made a few different offers, but it was just so competitive. So we didn't get into our house until like June. And so September, we're barely settling into our new house, right? And our new ward at church and and just the schools and everything. And so, yeah, these two women in my ward at church approached me and asked to, or just wanted to to, to be, be friends, first of all. And we ge- genuinely hit it off. So that was a big win. And then I, you know, doTERRA came into the conversation. Well, actually just natural wellness and solutions. I think being over at their house, I just saw the way that they were so natural with all their, their big family of kids. And I was so curious and anyway, got into doTERRA essential oils, not for the first time. I'd actually dabbled in this a little bit way before any of even having kids. Um, I was drawn to the natural health, natural wellness sort of realm, but this was such a perfect time because now I had my coaching practice that I was beginning and I could take oils and use them on my clients, with my clients and with myself. And so I started really experiencing the world of essential oils personally first, and then integrating it into my coaching with my clients. And to this day, it is what I use to help people get through mental barriers regarding weight loss or postpartum depression or anything. And so it's definitely one of those things where if my client isn't open to them or doesn't use them or doesn't have an interest in them, I don't force it upon them. It's not like I don't take clients that don't use oils or aren't interested in natural solutions. Um, But at the same time, where I have clients that are open to it or already using them, it expedites results for sure and really integrates beautifully and dovetails wonderfully with Um, the coaching that I do. So that is the end of part two of my story. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you in the next episode. This is all for you mamas. And I can't wait to further help you by teaching some coaching tools and oil stuff and everything. Talk soon. Hey, Liz here. 
When I was struggling as a mom of three littles, it was actually a podcast just like this that a friend shared with me that woke me up to getting the help I needed. Please consider sharing a favorite episode with a friend or leave me a review on iTunes to help other moms find the help they need here too. And if you're wanting to get more involved with these topics, you can join my Facebook group for even more discussion, fun, live Q&A sessions, getting to know other moms and wellness ideas. We're at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wake up your wellness. All one word. Be well, my friends, and I will see you there.